one of the common sayings that we often say, what hills are you willing to die on? Which means, what issues are you willing to take a stand on? I'm ashamed to admit that many Christians have taken Jude's exhortation to contend for the faith as being a convenient excuse to excel in being contentious. And that shouldn't be the case. Do you remember what Jesus told us? I give you a new command. Love one another. Just as I have loved you, so you should love one another. And it's by this that all men will know that you are my disciples. I think it's a shameful and disgraceful truth that many of us are known more for our bickering and infighting rather than for our love and our affection towards each other. And all the while, the world watches on with a a growing disinterest and it, it scoffs at our stupidity. I think it's a worthwhile ambition to pursue. That we be churches who are first known by what we stand for rather than what we stand against. I don't think we should be hasty to raise up arms and and run to the fight. And much discernment is needed in knowing which hills are worthy to die on. I think in a world where the, the general tone of society has grown toxic, it's the followers of Jesus that should be a breath of fresh air, not adding fuel to the fire. Jude's change of direction in this short letter, I think will help us correct where we may have wandered from that narrow path. Or maybe, just maybe, it will compel us to put our gloves on and wade into the fights that actually matter. In these verses, just verses 3 and 4 that we're going to cover today, I want to take note of three things really. Um, First is this, when we do fight, we really only fight out of necessity. You'll notice that when Jude is writing this, he, he wanted to write about their common salvation. But, but there was some threat to the church, some great risk that he could see, and it forced Jude into a different Direction. As children of the living God, our default position should be encouragement. And that's where Jude starts this letter. Our first port of call should be to discover and promote what unites us, what we share together, what we rejoice in with each other. 
This was Jude's first impulse. An eager desire to write about our common salvation. I don't think he's alone. Paul writes in Philippians 4 and 8, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honourable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any moral excellence and if there is anything praiseworthy, dwell on these things. Or to the Thessalonians, he writes in his first letter, Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up as you're already doing. Encouragement's more than simply just patting someone on the back. But to encourage is to use words and actions to inspire confidence, to in- inject hope. It literally means to build courage into someone else. I think we could spend all day pulling verses from all over the Bible that deal with the significance and the role of encouragement. But take my word for it. It's a big deal. God places significant emphasis on it. You've probably seen those foolish children in the playground that run to every fight that gets yelled about. It shouldn't be us. It shouldn't be the church of the living God. But there are fights worth having. But neither should we back down from the fights that need to be fought. Jude wanted to write a letter of encouragement. But instead he had to change tack. He says, we need to contend for the faith. So we fight when necessary. But I think we fight with a heavy heart. Not every mound is a hill to die on. But even those that are, there shouldn't be a cause for celebration. We shouldn't relish the fight get excited over the drama or pour fuel on every fire just to see how high the flames will spring. But on the issues that matter most, and though the day is dark, I think we should resemble Aragorn at the Black Gates who stands defiantly as all the hordes of Mordor bear down on him. We're carrying something greater than a ring. We're bearers of light, of the hope of the gospel. And though God doesn't need us to defend him, his word is more than sufficient to defend itself. Charles Spurgeon said, There is no need for you to defend a lion when he is being attacked. All you need to do is open the gate and let him out. God's more than capable of defending himself. But even so, Jude does ask us to contend, which doesn't just mean fight, 
It actually means fight for something, for some cause, for some greater good. Jude tells us that something significant is at stake. Something significant is at risk. And it's worth soberly going into battle for. The question is, how? Over the next couple of weeks, we're going to unpack that further from Jude's letter. We're exploring the strategies that Jude endorses in this letter. And maybe the fighting techniques he offers us will surprise you. But for now, I want to just make a couple of summarizing observations that define the fight that Jude is calling us to. And there's really two of them. They're my second two points. The first is this. We have to fight earnestly. It's important to clearly see what's at stake here. What is the issue Jude is calling us to contend for? I mean, most of us will eagerly fight when we feel that our rights are being imposed on. And if we're Christians, we're often concerned about our religious rights, the freedom to pray publicly, uh, to meet for worship unhindered, or to read our Bibles, or to express Christian beliefs, maybe. And, and many of these issues are particularly relevant right now, as we're in the, the grips of a worldwide pandemic. And our churches are continually fluxing and changing to adapt to the requirements that are being asked of us, as governments and local regulations are being imposed as to what it means to gather and be safe in this world that we live in in 2020. Is that what Jude is calling us to contend for? Is it our religious freedoms and are they what's worth fighting for? Or is it something else? Let's remind ourselves of Jude 3. Dear friends, although I was eager to write to you about the salvation we share, I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith that was delivered to the saints once for all. Now we're going to get more information on this as we move further through this letter, but but even in the phrase that he uses here, we can begin to see the threat that Jude is concerned about. This isn't about religious liberty or your right to express your beliefs or anything like that. Jude wasn't looking through the portals of time and prophesying about not being allowed to gather together or sing together or the requirements to wear masks or not. Jude was concerned that the basic building blocks of our faith, the elemental principles of the gospel were being distorted. His concern wasn't about political or um, societal pressure from without, but a subtle and insidious twisting of the faith from within. Jude knew that purity of our faith was worth preserving. That what we received 
from the beginning must be maintained. Not because it's simply our tradition or that we're some type of Mandalorian who quotes, this is the way. But because the eternal fate of billions of souls are at stake, especially when we play fast and loose with the gospel, the good news of God's grace that's found in Christ Jesus alone. So this is serious business. Not because our preferences are at stake. Whether I like a certain style of worship service or not, or certain styles of music or not, or a certain type of translation of the Bible over another. This is about the integrity of the hope we have in our salvation. And that's worth fighting earnestly about. Second observation I want to make is this. We fight spiritually. What I mean by this point is this. We need to go into this fight with care